Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of What's Your Issue? It's a weekly comic book podcast that reviews a comic book that comes out every week. And today, once again, Aga couldn't make it to the podcast because something's been affecting his life and he hasn't been able to... Um, emotionally able to go to be to be on the podcast he's going through some tough things in his life so he couldn't make it here so it's just gonna be me here for this episode and i'm hoping that you guys will be able to understand that and enjoy this podcast for today and in this podcast this episode i am gonna do things differently once again um I'm just going to have the review segment, which is going to be seven reviews. And I'm going to have the best of the week, which is going to be one this time around. Because I honestly couldn't I honestly couldn't find a pot, um, an issue that was as great as the one I have listed for today. I, I just... It, today was just a really bad week for me. I didn't like most of the combos that came out this... The previous week and there was only a few books I did like this week and uh, I decided not to put any honorable mentions because since there's only seven issues and since I had used seven issues to fill up this podcast I mean I usually, usually have six issues to fill up this podcast I decided just to do seven and just forget about not doing honorable mentions so it's, it's gonna be though Seven reviews in the review segment. Then it's gonna be the best of the week, and then I'm gonna start doing the. I'm gonna do the next week's polls afterwards. So the first, the first book I'm gonna be talking about is Adventures of Super Sons number seven. Yeah, the writer is Peter J. Tomasi. The penciler is Carlo Barbaria. Inker is Matt Sorritelli. Colors is Proto Bunker. I think it's a pen name. And letters is Rob Lay. With this issue, it starts with... From the last issue, it starts with Tommy, Tommy, uh, a guy named Tommy Tomorrow. He captures Damien, Jonathan Kent, Joker Jr., Rex Luthor, and Grundette, which is like a... A female, younger, Solomon Grundy type-like character. They apparently get in prison. As they are in prison with the native race that wants them to be captured. Uh, yeah, they decide to separate Jonathan Kent from the others because he has Kryptonian abilities. And they want to put him in a prison that doesn't with red solar energy so they could weaken him. And afterwards, Damien escapes and he... Asks a few questions where John Ken is in prison and he finds he ends up looking, he ends up finding the prison that Superboy is locked up in. And instead of breaking in the prison that Superboy is in, he ends up breaking in where Rex Luthor, Jack Joker Jr., and Gwendette is in prison instead. And then after, after the action concludes. Jonathan Kent ends up breaking himself out of prison. And that's where the issue ends. I give this issue a 7.0. Because I noticed that the story is kind of... 
lost in translation somehow because it's kind of weird that in the beginning of the story you see the you see Tommy tomorrow he throws everyone into one prison yeah he throws all of them Damien Rex Luthor Joker Jr. Grandad and John Kent all in one prison and then he separates Damien and Superboy afterwards and somehow Damien at the end of the story he instead of breaking in in Jonathan Kent's prison he ends up breaking in Lex I mean Rex Luthor and Joker Jr. Grandad he, yeah, he ends up breaking in Grandad's prison yeah, they end up breaking in there. And I'm like, why would he end up accidentally break in their prison when in the very beginning of the issue, he was in the same prison as they are? The story really doesn't make much sense. It just kind of seems kind of weird where they, they all this Damien asks his questions of where Superboy is. He asks all these people. Like, there's like a Sinestro and Gizmo I mean, there's like two aliens dressed as one is dressed as Gizmo and one is dressed as um, Sinestro, and they tell him where Superboy is, and it's in the same place where the prison was. It was just right next door, so it just seems kind of weird. But I did enjoy this issue a little bit. It just didn't make much sense story-wise, but the conversations were fun. I did like the Damien's interactions with the. Um, the Sinestro and Gizmo kind of like character. He was kind of taunting them like he usually does and acts like a jerk. I do like the writing there. And I did like the fighting scenes with Damien and Grindette and Joker Jr. and Rex Luthor. I did like those fighting scenes as well. So I gave, I, that's why I decided to give it a 7.0 and the art was pretty good. It's just an average issue to me and it was pretty much okay this is one of the few issues that were this is one of the weakest issues that i i enjoy the least from all the other issues i've read this this previous week so that's why i decided to pick that one because it was the least enjoyable one but yeah this series is is it has its up and downs i don't know the writing with peter j tomasi is very inconsistent with this series and i I just don't know how I feel about it yet. It's very average. And I just am been picking it up. Because sometimes I do enjoy it and there's times I don't. It's just very weak at certain points of the story. And the storytelling doesn't always... It's just always... There's not always a beginning, middle, and end. It's just all over the place. And not really organized. So yeah, now I'm going to go to the next issue. I'm going to be talking about is Age of X-Men, The Marvelous X-Men number one. The story is written by Zach Thompson and Lonnie Landier. Penciler is Marco Falia. Colorist is Matt Molina. And letters is VC Joel Caramagna. So, Caramanga, yeah. With this issue, it starts off with the X-Men having their normal days. This is where... This is like the X. This is um X Men's uh Nate Gray's alternate universe he had created after that after the incident like the battle they fought in Uncanny X Men. So he ended up creating an alternate world and trapping all the X Men inside there. And in this issue, they have there's an they 
the X Men get an alert about the, a forest a forest fire, and decides to go rescue the citizens that were in the in the forest fire. And as the forest fire is going on, Laura ends up getting a flash memory of Gabby when she's rescuing uh, some type of baby pods because in this universe, the the babies are created in a lab. There's some cloning with the humans going with the with the mutants going on, and they just yeah they just clone the mutants in a lab and make babies out of them. That's how they breed their um. I guess, yeah, breed the mutant race, I should say. Cause I'm not sh- it hasn't been clear if this is all mutants and or it's a, it's a planet with humans and mutants. I'm not really too sure. But um, I digress about that. Right here, there's a, at the forest fire rescue, Laura asks the X-Men about Gabby. The, the Gabby memory she, she remembers. Yeah, she asks him about the memories. And then X-Men explains that he had erased her existence because there's a relation to, a relation to James Howitt Wolverine. Laura reacts madly at him and X-Men decide and the X, I mean, X-Man, this is where it gets confusing. X-Man decides to erase the incident that just had happened. And then the next day, Jean Grey gets in contact from Genesis and Kitty Pride, talking about finding the they... They want to warn the X-Men that there's a truth to this whole universe and they want to talk to them about it. So, I decided to get this issue at 8.0. I really did enjoy this issue a lot. There was beautiful art in here as well. I did like Marco's art in this book as well and nice colors as too. And I did like uh, I do like how this universe is being built. Like, I do find it very interesting that the X-Men... I mean, this planet is... They set up... Since they had in the previous issue of X-Men, like the uh, the Age of X-Men with Alpha number one, they explain how love is banned and, and Bishop falls in love with Jean Grey in that issue and... They uh, X Man ends up finding out, and he after he finds out, he decides to attack Bishop with a whole bunch of people, and they erase him from existence. So I think in this universe, Nate Gray ends up banning the the chance for people to excuse me for people to fall in love, and maybe and I think he also did. Also, ban people from having sex since they only have to they have to make babies through this procedure where they clone mutant DNA and make it into a, a a baby. Like I think it's like a type of GMO kind of thing where they just clone a, a mutant and make it make another being of the the, the mutant and into a baby. Like they do some genetic modifications to the babies and let them live on so yeah instead of going through breeding they end up doing it through cloning so i like that aspect it's pretty interesting i i see that there's a difference in this universe and how they operate and i want to see the the effects of this thing going on there's just one thing i didn't really understand about this issue where i didn't really necessarily understand where 
Laura, you know, the, when Laura finds out about Gabby and uh, Nate Gray's, his explanation is, oh, I raised to her existence because there's a relationship, a relation to Wolverine. I just, I just didn't understand that because why does X23 Laura exist but not Gabby? They're both a relation, a relation to Wolverine. That tie, that did not entirely make any sense. Is there must be some reason why Nate Gray decides to keep X23 instead of Gabby when they're both related to Wolverine? So I don't know if that's ever going to be cleared up in the next issues, but we'll see. It just didn't really make sense to me, and that was like a. A disappointment of this issue but it's very well done i do like it was a nice action to see the x-men save save the people from the forest fire that was also good and i actually thoroughly enjoyed this issue so i really have fun with it now i'm going to be going into deathstroke number 40 this issue is written by christopher priest Penciler is Fernando Parcerin and Carlo Pagulian. I think that's how you say it. And inkers is Travis Scott and Jordi Tarragona. Colorist is Jeremy Cox and letters is Willie Schubert. With this issue, it starts off with Two-Face and Rose Wilson. They're trying to go on their way to save Destro from Arkham Asylum because he's been trapped in Arkham Asylum by Hugo Strange. And Hugo Strange has been doing some... Like, he puts him in some type of VR mode and getting him some hallucinations of whether... And he can't tell the difference between the real world and the alternate world where he, confused, he confuses his mind, the state of mind, and he goes a little bit crazy. He starts questioning himself with that. So, now Destro... I mean, Two Face and Rose Wilson are trying to uh, are trying to find a way where they can, I mean, help him escape. But as that's going on, Rose finds out that Two Face was paid by Hugo Strange to kidnap and kill kill her. But he's been since he's been having the talkings of wanting to be cured, he decides to let her go. And as this is going on, Deathstroke fights Hugo Strange and other Arkham villains with Jericho and Death Mask, which is like a... And here is like a Deadpool-like character. And he apparently knows Wade Wilson. I mean, not Wade Wilson. Slade Wilson. He knows Slade Wilson. And they're going out to save him. And Jericho's also in the body possession of Solomon Grundy. So... As they're fighting Hugo Strange, eventually Hugo Strange gives up and kills himself. And after he kills himself, they all end up going fighting the Pelorian aliens that invade Earth. And that's what they're called. And Jericho tells Rose how he saved his father. And then the story fast forwards to Damien and Kid Flash looking for Deathstroke. Because he killed a whole bunch of homeless men and he needs to be stopped. I decided to get this issue a 5.0. I just... Uh, it was just really bad storytelling. It just... Once again, another story that gets lost in translation. With the way it's telling the story. Like, it's like um, in Adventures of Super Sons. Where the story just gets confusing. And it just doesn't make any more sense. Because... I In the earlier issues, Two-Face and... 
Two Face mentions that he's been paid by Deathstroke to find Rose Wilson so they could go save him. And now all of a sudden in this issue, he's paid to kidnap by Hugo Strange. It just seems kind of like a really dumb plot twist that didn't make any sense to me because this whole entire time, Two Face was talking like he was conflicted on on who he is as a person and he wants to be cured. He was talking more of a sane per- kind of person. He wasn't talking like he usually does in in previous comic books, where he's kind of crazy and he just likes to rob banks which never really made any sense to me yeah in this issue he's more his normal self he was more like Harvey Dent kind of persona which is like was which was in Detective Comics that I was thinking that's what they were pulling it from and I'm not so sure now because he was working for Hugo Strange I like the more the concept of him working for Deathstroke that was a much better idea. I just don't understand why this plot twist came into the story at the conclusion. I just didn't understand that story element. And the whole the whole fighting scene with Deathstroke fighting with Hugo Strange. It's just it seems kind of stupid how Hugo Strange ends up killing himself. It just really threw me off there. It's like you don't I don't think Hugo Strange is the type of person that keeps fighting and then midway, he just gets frustrated and he just kills himself. What kind of villain does that after giving up a fight? I just don't see that happening. And it just was really bad writing altogether. And I would have preferred Deathstroke killing off Hugo Strange rather than him giving up midway and then kill himself. What 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 kind of shit was that? It was stupid. Very dumb. I just didn't like that. And... I hate to even react that way, but I just didn't appreciate how that went. And then I didn't understand what was the point of putting that Pelorian's aliens plot line from the last issue, which confuses confused the hell out of me. If they're gonna get killed in like two panels, it just didn't make any sense to me. I was really disappointed with this issue. It's just it was really bad. It had great art. I did like that, and there were some great action scenes with with Deathstroke and the villains, and I just I just didn't like the storyline. It was it was really poorly done. It was bad storytelling, and it seemed like to me Christopher Priest didn't didn't know a clear direction for the story, so it didn't. It just didn't work well. It wasn't very well organized. And this also comes with continuity issues because Hugo Strange is going to be fighting Batman in Detective Comics. Comics. He was already he appeared in the in the most recent issue. And he's here in this Deathstroke series and he ends up getting killed off. How the hell is he back alive in Detective Comics? I just... I just don't really like how the editorial is done sometimes here. It's just like when Penguin was killed in Red Hood, and then all of a sudden he's back alive and Tom King with a stupid, I mean Tom King's Batman with with a stupid eye patch, which did not make any sense. 
on how he's back alive. They always came. They came with some lame excuse that I don't even remember. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just getting real, uh, getting real crazy how how things ends up going through editorial this way. I just don't like that when characters are killed off in one particular book. And they're back alive in another with no explanation how they are back alive. They're just alive. Or you're not even knowing which book came out first. Did Detective Comics come out first? Or did Death Show come out first? That's why I was kind of... I I loved the way Leslie Tompkins did die in Detective Comics. But I liked how they've written that. I just That's why I was hoping that... You know, she won't be back alive in another issue from a different series, which they haven't done yet. But that's why I mentioned, I don't know if you watched previous episodes, I was, that's what I meant by not, like, make this death actually count and not be like, oh, she's only dead in this particular issue, but she'll be back alive somewhere else without knowing any explanation as to why and how this is happening. And this is why I get annoyed about DC with DC and Marvel's continuity because they're always out of whack. And it seems like, to me, it seems like editors are not really doing anything. They probably are, but to me, when he, when mistakes happen like this, it makes me question that. So I digress about that rant. But yeah, I just did not like that particular issue. And I also forgot to mention the reason why I reviewed this issue is because the end of the storyline, it was the conclusion of this storyline of Arkham Asylum with Deathstroke, and I like I like to give conclusions of storylines that's been happening. So yeah, so now I'm gonna move on to Justice League number seventeen. All right, so this issue is is written by Scott Snyder, the Pessoners Jim Chang, Chung, I think is more accurate way of saying it. Colorist is Tumei. Moray, Inker is Jim Chang and Jim Chung and Mark Morales and Wadding Wong and the letters is top Tom Lapitaniano. So yeah, with this issue, Lex Luthor is he travels to Mars to gain information with Martian Manhunter about the some type of like dragon race in Mars. They call it Kunars. So yeah, as they're talking and then there's some Kunars that end up fighting Marshmancer Lex Luthor. Marshmancer ends up revealing a dark past where like from the like um a dark past where he's experimented by Lionel Luthor. Marshmancer mentions how Lex Luthor is the one that saved him in that type of um experiment. Yeah, he saved his life when they were children. It was like a dark past with um with experimentation from Lionel Luthor. He ends up he ends up experimenting on Marshman Hunter and for some reason Abby I mean the thing is Marshman Hunter when he was a kid in the past, um Lionel Luthor had a son and he was going by the name of Abby. And all later on in the story, he finds out his real name's Lex Luthor. He reveals it later on in the story. So, yeah, for for some, um, for, so Lex Luthor, I mean, Martian Manhunter reveals the story to Lex Luthor. And as 
that discussion goes on, they also have discussions about Perpetuta and what Lex Luthor wants to do with her. And Marshmanter tries to convince him that whatever you're doing, Perpetuta is not going to work. You were a good man. Please come to our side. Please fight on the side of just see we can we can fix this and you know yeah he he says we can fix this and we can work to, we can fix the source wall and hopefully you know bring her, bring the galaxy back to order but Lesuto refuses to to acknowledge that he's a good man and he tries to refuse that he ever knew Marshmanson when he was young so they both end up escaping they both end up escaping through each of their own portals and Lex tells Brainiac how Marshmanser didn't give him any information as worth noting and then after that he he goes into the room and thinks about cause there was a word that Marshmanser was trying to figure out when they were and uh, when they were children in the past, they was uh, referring to a name called Shanae. And Lex Luthor says it by himself in this room at the end of the issue. And they're trying to remember both of them. I think Marshmanter and Lex Luthor are trying to remember what did that name actually meant. Because for some reason, they can't recollect in their memories. So they're trying to figure that out. And so I decided to give this issue a 8.0. It was it was it was a good story. It's just it was implemented very weird for me. Um, cause to me when when Marshmanter was talking to Lex Luthor about this memory, it just seems kind of weird that he was talking to him as if he knew this memory before. When they just when when Marshmanter was talking with that woman in the Martian woman, I forgot her name, and and the previous two issues, how she explained this past that he didn't know about, and the memories started, I think the memories, I'm not so sure, started activating his brain, he started remembering that little information that, that he was experimented in the past when he was a child. I'm not so sure if he actually remembered that, but in here, they made it seem like he did remember that. And it's just kind of weird storytelling when it when it was spoken here in this issue. So I don't know. It was kind of weird the way they put it through there. But I did enjoy this aspect of the story. I thought it was very interesting. And I was liking the fact that that I think Scott Snyder was trying to get at it, is that maybe Lex Luthor is still a good guy and. I actually appreciate that because to me, when ever since this Justice League series started, I've not been liking Legion of Doom. Because the way Lex Luthor is sometimes written is one-dimensional. And it just seems kind of weird that he's written this way. When in Justice League No Justice, he was written as like a third-dimensional character. You know, a character that's not necessarily a bad guy. I mean, he was written like the way he's has been written for the past few ever since the new 52 has started well maybe not as the new 52 started it was during the times where he joins the justice league for after forever evil he becomes a a hero and he 
no longer hates Superman for being an alien, that type of stuff, and he ends up becoming a hero, he ends up becoming a good guy. And it just seemed kind of weird when he's in no justice, he's written as a good guy, he helps the Justice League and, and other, there's other anti-heroes to fight off, I mean, to save Kulan. And it just seems kind of weird that after that concludes, Lex Luthor decides to work with Joker and makes the Legion of Doom, which is, just doesn't seem type. It doesn't seem like Lex Luthor style. Why would he act? Why would he work with a sociopath? And just this whole, I don't know, this whole thing with with the the Batman who laughs. It just doesn't work for me when Lex Luthor is talking to him and. All of us, it's just the story really gets it, really doesn't be very well organized when when it comes to the Justice League series, and it's hard to take it all in. So, I really appreciate that in this issue that Lex Luthor was written back to where here where he is supposed to be. I really don't like the one dimensional vil- villain writing that. Scott Snyder has done in Justice League for the past, since the first issue, so I'm glad that this issue is starting to retain his good guy like character, and I really appreciated that. So I actually enjoyed this issue. This issue a little bit more. It was much more better written than the previous issues for Lex Luthor, so I actually enjoyed this issue a little bit more. I also did like the art by Fernando Parson and Carlo. Not no, it's the art by Jim Chung. I was looking at that show. Sorry about that. So yeah, I did like the art by Jim Chung. It was very well, nicely done here. Nice details, and I did like the action scenes when it comes to Lex Luthor and Marshman to fighting the dragons or the Kunars, the the race that they were talking about. And I did find some interesting things about them. So it was nice to see Lex Luthor and and Marshmallow to have this conversation about everything. And I don't know, but it kind of makes me think that maybe Lionel Luthor is somehow behind all this. And he's probably, who knows, maybe he's in the mind of Brainiac and trying to influence or mind control Lex Luthor to be acting a certain different way than he usually acts. Who knows if that's the explanation of all this. Who knows. I just I just like how Lex Luthor is written here. He's written more like a third dimensional character. Instead of one dimensional. And I'm hoping that. There is a possible explanation. To, as to. Why is he. Working with the Legion of Doom. And why. I mean he's all this set up. What is, for, what was, what is the good reasoning behind Getting Perpetuta and finding out about this Legionnaire symbol that he's been looking for throughout this whole type of series. And we'll see what this develops to. I just don't like, not even, I don't even like the way Sinestro gets written sometimes. Because to me, he was a good guy when he was in the Yellow Lantern Corps. And it's just weird that all of a sudden, it's just, he's pure venally with Lex Luthor and Legion of Doom. It's just doesn't make sense to me so I was glad that this issue really made more sense to what is going on and Lex Luthor was written the way he was supposed to be written 
and not written out of character for me. So the next issue I'm going to be talking about is Old Man Quill number one. This issue is written written by Ethan Sachs. Penciler is Robert Gale. Colorist is and Andreas Mosa. Letters is VC Joe Caramanga. And this issue starts in like the very far future. Peter Quill is the ruler of Spartax. And apparently he's at war with the Charge Armada. And Peter Quill decides to go on his ship and he decides to fly to reach to the matriarch, which is some type of, it was a woman. I think that's what they call her, the matriarch, because she's in charge of some type of church. I think it's like some type of chart. This is a a type of church. It's the type of church that is probably from Spartax and they're... I guess there's probably a separation from church and the government, and I guess the church is probably fighting against Spartex because they don't like the rules that's going on there. So I think that's what's going on from the story that's what I'm piecing together. It doesn't say that, but that's what I'm gathering for myself. I that's what I'm thinking is is the story is about. So. Peter Quill and the matriarch, they start talking to each other. And then she reveals that her men have reached the planet and killed her family and the people of his planet. So Quill gets frustrated. He decides to uh, put himself in stationary sleep for years. And then he ends up waking up. Be wake, he, he ends up waking up to the Guardians of the Galaxy, which is Rocket Raccoon, Drax. Yes. Drax, Mantis, and Gamora. For some reason, something happens. I Rocket Raccoon does explain. I mean, he doesn't really explain it, but he says something happens to Groot, and I think Groot is dead for some reason. Like he gets mad at Peter Quill for never saving Groot in some type of event that that had happened in the past. It's not totally explained there, but hopefully it'll be explained as these as this limited series goes on. So they talk about the Charge Armada going going after the Guardians of the Galaxy and taking over the entire galaxy. Peter Quill decides to team up with the Guardians of the Galaxy to look after to look for the Charge Armada. And as they're in space, they end up finding an abandoned Sword Sword Space Station. You know, the, the organization in on Earth that. Has protection against any alien invaders. Sword called Sword. Yeah, apparently the the space station was taken over by Brood, and the Guardians of Galaxies fight off the Brood. And after they fight off the Brood, they go into the computer and find out information that they find out the Brood had taken over the space the space station years ago. It's been happening a long time ago this is not just something that happened currently so the the guardians of the galaxy decide to escape they go to try to fly to earth but as they fly into earth some somebody attacks them somebody shoots them and they end up crashing onto the wasteland and they see faces of doom on mount rushmore so i decided to give this issue an 8.0 i really did enjoy this particular issue as well it was pretty interesting story i like i like what i like that things have been different and evolved over time there's like 
I know in Ben's and Bendis um yeah in Bendis's um Guardians of the Galaxy series, Peter Quill is he's taking over Spartax there. But you know, he doesn't feel confident and he ends up abandoning rule in that particular series. But it's interesting to see a different Peter Quill, one that's much more like a leader and he is willing to take over Spartax. So it gives a different type of concept and I think that that's pretty interesting to see that come to life and so yeah I actually enjoy that part and it was nice to see the Guardians of the Galaxy they all feel like they have changed I mean Peter Quill ends up changing his whole entire personality when when his fat when he finds out his family gets killed in his planet because in the earlier in the earlier of the of the issue he says oh he tells his family he tells his 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 wife and his children that don't worry i'm not gonna let this charge armada invade the planet you're you're gonna you guys gonna stay here because they wanted to find somewhere to evacuate but he didn't he refused for them to evacuate he says i'm not gonna let them invade my planet you're gonna be safe here and when he feels that that they're going to be safe and then he ends up going to the matriarch and finds out after she tells him that they're they end up being killed it changes him to like some type of some type of dark character that he feels like a failure and he he's drinking himself to like no like drinking himself to like no end yeah he was drinking himself to no end and it was a pretty interesting aspect of person of his personality or turn of his life and i like seeing like i like when the character has to go through that from a particular death he doesn't feel comfortable he's not the same casual go lucky kind of guy anymore and it just that one particular experience changed him so it's pretty interesting that Ethan Sachs puts that element like he did with Old Man Hawkeye. He wasn't the same person after all these years. Oh, I like that there's some character development from from present time to this far future. So it was a pretty interesting story. I did like the conversations with the Guardians of the Galaxy. And they all have changed. They're all not the same people that, they're, that they used to be. And I like that type of story. And... I just there's another thing about this particular issue which the 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 drawing the art from Robert Gill was okay. It wasn't really bad art, it was just pretty average. It's just not very solid in detail. It's just you're able to tell you're able to know what the story entails, what's going on. But it's average art is or maybe I say above average, but not great art as you see in other books like Deathstroke, I can say. Deathstroke had a better art there, or Just League even had a better art. But overall, this book was, was good. I That's why I gave it an 8.0. I actually enjoyed this one. So the next book is Star Wars number 61. It's written by Karen Gillen. Um, penciler is Adrio Brochicato. Colorist is Guru EFX, and Letters is VC Clayton Cal. And from this story, is still is still going from the escape from Hubbin or Hubin. I'm not sure how you say that. Is a moon that 
that was taken over by by some guy named Tane Marcona. Yeah, so Leia and Han and Luke they find this moon and and a couple of issues later they escape because the squadron, the Scar Squadron had invaded, so they end up escaping. So Luke, Han, Leia, Sana, Tula, they and her citizens that were on the plane, they end up landing on Imperial impound to get back to the Millennium Falcon and steal another ship because they had all they had a whole bunch of citizens in one ship and that was like too much con- to contain so they decided to separate um Tula and her her people in another ship so after they feed some stormtroopers and Imperials Tula decides to join in the fight with the rebellion and then Luke Leia and Han and Sana, they decide to land on Bertal the uh, the six. They end up landing there and to find the rebellion. So they decide to speak with with some type of big alien kind of guy. Yeah, they decide to speak with someone to give the coordinates to where the rebellion rebellion is. So they go to uh, Kalia Nebula, and they run into Arkbar and Arkbar and Leia make plans to join the rebellion. And take the fight against Queen Trios and her army. And then at the end of the issue, you also see the Scar Squadron getting ready to fight Luke, Leia, and Han. Yeah, they want to fight. They want to get getting ready for their attack as well on on them. So so this looks like yeah. So this looks like this is gonna be a big attack between three the whole Scar Squadron, Queen Trios, with her army and the Rebellion. With Luke, Han, and Leia. It's like it's going to be a whole entire battle. And Marcona's people. The Marcona people as well. So we'll see what this concludes up to. Or what this whole big battle is going to be. when the story, As the story goes on. So I decided to give this issue a 7.5. It was okay. It wasn't nothing too spectacular. The art from Andrea was pretty good. It was very nice detail. Very solid. I think his art was much better than I think Old Man Quill. But yeah, I like the art here and it was very nice, well detailed. The the st- the conversations were okay. The only interesting conversation that I, I read from this issue was with Luke and Tula. The way they were talking about how she was kind of mad. She was really mad, not kind of mad, but really mad about the whole situation with she thinks her father's dead there we're not quite sure because the last issue scars i mean yeah the scar squadron were fighting they were fighting the they were fighting thane mercana which is her father yeah they, they were fighting him and and the issue when the issue ends they don't show the conclusion of that fight so you have no idea if he they killed him or not. Not even in this issue, apparently. It's just you see the scar excuse me, you see the scar squadron on their ship on the end of the issue and they getting ready to attack. So we he might excuse me. He might have died. We have no idea. So we'll see what happens with that. Um so yeah, we see we'll see what happens with that. It was a it was an okay issue. I mean, it was funny conversations when it came to C-3PO when he talks to the that alien and 
he acts as a trade for some type of metal legs. So that was a funny, interesting conversation there. So it was an enjoyable issue. It was just average. It wasn't nothing too spectacular. So that's why I gave it a 7.5. It was much more enjoyable than the last issue. That's all I have to say. Now, the next issue I'm going to talk about, which is the last issue in the review segment, is the Dreaming Number 6. It's written by Simon Spur. Penciler is by Quilis Evely. Colors is Matt Lopez. And the letters is Simon Boland. Yeah, so with this issue, it starts with, since it's taking over, uh, Judge Gallo's taking over the Dreaming of some of the previous issues. Dora, in this issue, she has like a, she gets like, in a monologue of herself, like it's a big, like a battle of her herself on who she is and her failures and her doings, or any damage that she caused in the in the previous issues. So she's having like a redemption moment, and in that redemption moment, she ends up talking to Kane, and she ends up talking to Marvin Pumpkinhead, and Mar- Marvin Pumpkinhead reveals a past that about Dora where he. In the past, there was like a whole bunch of memories. Like a, he gave like a, a a gif of memories of her, and she never knew it was Marv Pumpkin Man. It was she thought it was Morpheus giving those memories when it was really him. So she finds about finds out about that, and then she also talks about how she wants to get everyone to to fight against Judge Gallows to take back the dreaming from him. So they talk about that. And everyone decides to plan to attack and proceed to go fight Gallows, but the fight is interrupted by a new entity called the Artificial Intelligence. To Yeah, so the Artificial Intelligence takes over the dreaming, I guess. That's what I think is going to happen in the next issue. I give this issue a 7.5. It was another average issue for me. It's just, it was, I know, I noticed that the story was really having difficulty telling the story because it does go with, in the beginning of the story, before Dora is talking to Kane and Marv Pumpkinman, there's a, there's a point where Judge Gallo sends some type of men to fight, to fight um, Dora and she fights them off and and then like towards the like after Marv Pumpkin Man tells tells um Dora about her past, it just like fast forwards to like her gathering Dora gathering everybody to fight Judge Gallows. It gets very messy and the art doesn't do a good job of telling the story. For some reason, Bleakwiss Evely, I just I just didn't like the art too much. It was very there were certain points where it was good, but there were certain points where it wasn't. When it's like when Dora turns to some big green glob monster. It was just like green throwing everywhere and it's just Ugh, it was very poorly done action. I just didn't like it. It was very messy there. The action wasn't good there. It just wasn't very well drawn when it came to that. And the I did like the conversation with Dora when she talks about herself. She's talking to herself before she talks to Kane and Marvin. 
So she's fighting with herself and she's realizing what she did wrong. And I do like that character development because she did do jerkish things in the very beginning of the series. And I'm glad she finally realizes what she did wrong and she's trying to change who she is. This whole experience with Judge Gallows changed her as a person and I like seeing that in her. So it's making her into a better character and I'm liking that. I like to see I'm liking the character development of that character. So everything has been sorta of interesting. This is this which issue was kind of weaker than the previous issues. The other issues have been strong while this one hasn't. So I'm hoping the next issue will be much better written. I wonder, I want to see what this whole artificial intelligence is going to do to the dreaming world. So we'll see what goes on with that. This has been a really intriguing series. I really do like it. It's the best vertical Sandman series so far. So... I'm hoping it will continue to be strong in the next issues. Now, I'm going to be talking about the best of the week for 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 now. And the best of the week for me was The Walking Dead 100, number 188. So yes, Walking Dead once again has been the best of the week. I've been liking this, this particular storyline for since the beginning of, of the storyline. It's, it's the Commonwealth storyline. It's been... Very political, very interesting story. So now I'm going to talk about the creative team. The writer is Robert Kurtman. Penciler is Charlie Adler. Inker is Stefano Guano. The Great Tones is Cliff Ratburn. And the Letters is Russ Wooton. So this um, this um, issue it starts with Lance interrupting Mercer's conversation because Mercer had a conversation about taking over and Lance convinces him to surrender. Then it cuts off to Brianna talking to Maggie how she should have um, joined the others to find Rick and Michonne in Commonwealth. And then it, yeah, but Maggie's been having difficulty in separating and spending time with her son. And being a leader of her people, she doesn't really know what to do in this situation. She 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 just it's kind of hard for her to split herself. That's what kind of conversation she has with Brianna. And then it cuts off to Carl, Jesus, Aaron, and Sequid. I'm not sure that's how you say his name. They run into Princess when they head into Commonwealth, and they fight off a bunch of zombies. And then they the story cuts off again. As they're fighting zombies with Milton and Mercer. Um, Mercer's already in prison and Milton ends up talking to Mercer. And she talks about how she's disappointed that he wanted to portray her. And wanted to take over Commonwealth. She doesn't appreciate that when she's done everything for him. And Mercer feels differently now. I mean, apparently... He doesn't like being treat how he's treated. Like he gets left alone in the previous issues to fight off zombies, and no one helps him. So he doesn't like that incident, and they have some type of conversations. And as that's going on, Rick and Michonne are having their own talk about the growing tension with the people in the Commonwealth and how Dwight influences their actions. 
and the story ends up cutting off to where there's a zombie herd with Eugene and some other woman. I forgot her name. Uh, yeah, apparently they're fixing the railroads and there's a zombie herd behind them. So the issue ends up there. Yeah, so the issue ends up there and the review score from this issue, I gave it a 9.0. The reason why I gave it a 9.0 is because it was a very interesting story. I did like the conversations with Maggie and Brianna. I do like that Maggie is having conflicting issues on who she is as a person. And she can't seem to separate her duties between spending time with her son and wanting to go fight with Rick for the Commonwealth. Which I don't know if it's going to end up being a fight. But I can see this ending up being a whole type of another war. So she's afraid of what to do. She doesn't know how to split her timing. And she's running to that difficulty when she's having a life here. So so there's some interesting conversations here. I really did like the conversation with Princess. When she goes to fight the zombies. They do end up fighting off the zombies. And they go prepared to continue walking in this issue. I forgot to mention that. So yeah, they do end up... I do like the conversations that happen with Princess. Where she ends up talking about how she doesn't like when thing, bad things go on. She's always afraid and this puts her in a place where she's uncomfortable and she has to not be herself and she she doesn't she closes herself. She doesn't like to be she I don't know, I think she she had a her past has made her to a very closed off type of person where she doesn't want to make connections with people and she knows when bad things goes on and she doesn't she has a fear of that and i do like that she has a discussion with that with carl and carl ends up finding a way to talk to her and so that it's okay to be scared we're all we all are, we all are always scared so he ends up having a conversation with her and i notice that there's a character development moment with her and I like that part so it was very well written there so there's some nice character development moments I do like the conversations with Rick and Michonne when they're talking about how Dwight did influence the people in Commonwealth how his death did have some sort of effect even though they try to stop things from happening like escalating and Rick end up killing Dwight in the past issues. I like how this is affecting him. And I really do appreciate that. And it's really bringing up to a big moment in the storyline. So I don't know. It seems like things are going to end up being another war. And I'm wondering how this will affect the people in here. And I'm looking forward to seeing how that happens. So to me the art is pretty much the... It was okay. It wasn't nothing crazy in here. I mean, the action scenes were alright. They weren't... I don't know. They, I guess they were drawing... They were drawing okay. It was about average. It wasn't nothing too spectacular. But I did enjoy the story overall. And that's why I decided to give it a 9.0. It was the best book I enjoyed this week. Because this week was pretty bad. I just didn't enjoy like a lot of books. And it was like... Only 7 out of 19, or no, 8 out of 19 that I actually somewhat enjoyed throughout this week. So, that's about it. I'm going to be going through the pull list. So, this is what I'm going to be picking up for next week. The ne- uh, I'm going to be picking up 
it's quite a, li- a long list, so bear with me here. The first, I mean, so yeah, is it is it be Detective Comics number nine hundred ninety eight, The Flash number sixty four. I know it's in connection with the bat with Batman with Batman's issue. Um, that's why I did pick up Batman this 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 week, but I did not like it. I just didn't feel like talking about it. So I don't know how I'm gonna feel about the Flash, but we'll see how it goes. So I'm gonna pick up Flash number sixty four, Spider Man and Deadpool number forty six, Miss Marvel number thirty eight. Definitely want to talk about that because it's gonna be the final issue of the series. Superman number eight, The Batman Who Laughs number three, Justice League Dark number eight, Supergirl number twenty-seven, The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl number forty-one, Runaways number eighteen, Dead Man Lo- Logan number four, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number ninety-one, Spider Gwen, Ghost Spider number five, Hawk Hawkman number nine. Mr. and Mrs. X number 8, Scooby Apocalypse number 34, Captain Marvel number 2, Kick-Ass number 12. I really want to talk about that one because it's the final issue of the series as well. Avengers, No Road Home number 1, Age of X-Men, Next Gen number 1, Savage Sword of Conan number 1. Hoping it's better than the main Conan series. I did not like that series, so I hope it's better than the main one. Winter Soldier number 3. Ironheart number 3, Titans number 34, House of Whispers number 6, World, I mean, Wonder Twins number 1, Electric Warriors number 4, Livewire number 3, Marvel's Annihilated number 1, and Army of Darkness, Bob, Bob and Bubba Hotep. I think that's how you say it, number 1. I'm not sure that's how you say it, but whatever. So yeah, that's that's what I'm gonna be picking up. I know it's a lot. I'm just letting people know that I usually try to review final issues and end the storylines. That's how I usually organize things, and I usually review books that I actually enjoyed. So that's how I usually do things. So I hope you guys enjoy this show, and I'm hoping Haga will be ready for next week. So. Hope you guys will be prepared for that. So talk to you guys and see you then later.